What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for being here. This is the Critical Strike Podcast, episode two. We are back, Henrique, Meg, and Tyler. Again, I don't know which way I'm pointing, but we are all here uh, recording this on a Monday morning. Uh, Monday, Monday morning for me, midnight for Meg or something, wherever she is. Uh, but we are excited to be doing a little bit of kind of a, in the dog days of the off season, a little more creative liberty here. Uh, a kind of a, a look forward and a bit of a retrospective, uh, you know, in, in broad strokes, but also personally uh, to us. So before we get rolling here, want to see, see how y'all are doing on this fine Monday morning. I'm pretty good. I not quite morning for me anymore. It's like 6.30 here for me and I'm freezing because all of the heating in my house is broken. But the the warmth of esports discourse will will carry oh, me God. through this evening, I think. The warmth <laughs> of esports discourse. All right. Kicking it off with the oxymoron of the century, not a Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I've been doing pretty well. Um, just get excited to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. Um, ready to go. Ready to mingle. Let's right. get to it. Discuss. Let's yeah, mingle. Yeah. Uh, then what yeah. we're going to start with uh, with Meg. And what we're doing here for our first little section here is someone that we think, uh, you know, just we were really excited last weekend to the point of making, you know, overzealous promises about young talent in our respective regions. Um, and since Meg was the most excited about young talent in our respective <laughs> regions, she's going to go first and talk about, uh, you know, who we, you know, a, a player to watch out for, someone that we could think could be a budding star. And I'm excited to hear what Meg has to say because we praised EU Masters so much and, and the, the the setup that they have uh, and the way that they are so intentional about developing pipeline, that young yeah. talent. So let's, uh, Meg, what do you got for us? Okay, so... I'm going to be focusing on EU, seeing as it's by far the region that I know the most about. Sorry, NA. Uh, and the player that I am kind of most excited to see coming into the LEC in 2021 is Trimby, who is, he was AGO Rogue, uh, Rogue's Academy. He was their support for EU Masters, and he's now coming up to Rogue's main roster to replace Vanda for 2021. And this dude, oh my god. Like, my gauge for if I think a support is like, really good is how they play Rakan because I think Rakan is a very like you can tell a lot about how a person thinks about engages and how they think about like setting up a team fight correctly based on how they play Rakan and this dude's Rakan is disgusting like he is I think he played five games of it in EU Masters 100% win rate like a 12 or 13 kda or something stupid like he's insane he's so good and i think him paired with han sama is gonna be like the combination that rogue needs to really kind of push them over the top in the bot lane especially because i think last year a lot of the criticism that they had directed towards them was they were kind of passive and like they tended to play the game the same way every time they played it was like do this then do this then do this then do this and I think bringing in someone like Trimby could be like a really good step in the right direction for seeing a little bit of spice, a little bit, of, a little bit of sauce coming out of Rogue Spotlane. Do you, where, where do you think like um, like if is his ceiling for next year? Like, would you? How would you? Where would, where do you see him like becoming? Like, what kind of player do you think he he'd become by the end of next year? Like, in terms of, like comparing him to another player? Oh, Hillisang. Like, I really? think okay. he's like. I don't think he's. Hillisang has got a like special little something call it in call it genius call it what you will he has <laughs> like spice, yeah, yeah. this this little magic this little hillisang magic that's all his own but i think if oh god you were to try and compare him to someone else in terms of play style i think he's probably the most like hillisang which is really impressive because i think hillisang is one of the better supports that like eu's ever had that will probably get me some flame but i really do think hillisang is one of the best supports that eu's ever had i think i think at his ceiling Yes. Yeah, like he, his floor he, he, is pretty pretty low. It's but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that like I mean, if you've got I'm, I'm not saying this would be like their strategy, but it seems like what mm -hmm. you're saying about Trimby is like you know someone like Arcana because I agree and how you know I play jungle and support and the way that you know I learned how to play support by playing Rakan because I used to play just Leona Nautilus and you have that syndrome of like well here we go and you just yeah. you know yeah. you can sit there as a tank and just soak that damage. But Rakan, you have to get in and get out. You have to be very smart about it. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think Rogue, I mean, they're an established team. They went. They were the two-seeded Worlds last year. How much do you think they shift their play style around a rookie, if that is the, even the case? Am I mischaracterizing it? Um, I think... Or is it impossible to say? It's quite hard to say, but it's not impossible to say. I think the way Rogue are looking right now is... There's two possible ways that they could play it. They could either do, um, like, bot lane stomp every game, and then you have kind of secure top side in Larson who is just like really really solid and then you have Odoamne who 
was like the last pillar of hope for Schalke during their int days at the beginning of last split. Like you can either go that way where you have secure topside and then you just like wreck kids in the bot lane or you could go the other way where you have jungle mid support pairing up roaming around the map sorry wrecking kids like in all lanes and then Hans Summer just like survives I think I don't I know which would be, be better I think the the one that you said before was the, the no the the latter I think the latter would be way better though I think what with the like mid synergy yeah 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 okay. I think that Lar Larson is like a smurf and I think that like Hans like if he's able to just survive like you said and farm up then he's your late game insurance just in case right mm -hmm. like I think that Rogue is so good. <laughs> they really I'm are. I feel like people don't appreciate now. it enough. They're so good. Especially, like, yeah. Finn wasn't bad by any means, but I think Oduam, like, I think it's fair to say that Oduamne is an upgrade. Like, in, in terms of consistency, for sure. Yeah, they're looking think, really strong this year. And I yeah. get that it's like, oh, everyone just wants to talk about G2 because it's like the best super team that Europe's ever had. <laughs> no, I like Rogue is what I like. I'm excited for this year. I really want to see them do well. And I, I mean, because like G2 is just you know what you're gonna get, right? Yeah. Like, there's nothing really to just yeah. Like you, it's it's fine to get excited about it. I think it's more so getting excited about G2 in terms of like maybe international play because mm -hmm. we know what's gonna happen in Europe. Mm. Yeah. Probably, probably. Hopefully, I don't know. Yeah. But, but I think even like to to Max's point is like you can do both, and that in and of itself is a blessing, right? You you don't have to just stick. Uh, you don't have to just stick trim beyond like thresh duty, right? Just like, oh, can you play mm -hmm. hook champ? Great, uh, right? Like you have that kind of flexibility. Um, yeah. And like you said, he's paired with a lot of uh, fantastic players. Uh, okay, yeah. Any, anything else on uh, on on Trimby on uh, or, or maybe an honorable mention from uh, from EU? Um. Oh God, honorable mentions. Um. Oh. So, Astralis's roster is very controversial for reasons that I think everyone's it's been talked about to the ends of the earth why Astralis's roster is perhaps not the best but Zanzara their um mm. jungler is right, right, right. really strong he was also ironically Rogue has just been farming like insane like the AGO Rogue? EU master oh, yeah they're man. insane the yeah. so he was their jungler and he was like he plays tanks he didn't play like the the carry junglers when that was super super in meta like in summer i think his most played at eu masters was set and then he had mm. a couple of games on like skana as well like if because especially now that we're seeing the meta sort of lean gently back towards tanks again i think he will be an exciting one to watch but it's on astralis so i have yeah. to like i have to temper my excitement a little bit <sighs> for him the Alfari syndrome, man. Oh. <laughs> yeah, God. yeah. A good player Tragic. on a bad team could be tough to judge. Um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. To uh, to to Tyler, then uh, you had a uh, you, you have a couple. I think very noteworthy and like very presently relevant uh, folks on your on your list. Um. Well, okay. First off, NA. Finally, we've got young talent again. I don't know, like. If I'm the only one that's super excited to see all these young players, it's like, cause I can see now, it's 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 really refreshing to see like even the NA fan base being like, oh yeah, let's go young players. Cause I remember before we're just like, whenever they pick up a random player from like, the amateur scene or something, people be like, oh who is this guy, whatever. Mm -hmm. But now we're like, oh thank God, fresh talent, new faces, like younger players that can like grow the scene and stuff, you know. Especially with like, Doublelift and Bjergsen retiring, which we're gonna, like, uh, touch on later. Um, but just seeing this, like the amount of young kids or young players coming into the league and like kind of just leading this like new age of play is like really, really nice to see. Um, speaking of which, uh, the one player that I'm really excited to watch out for is Palafox. Um, that whole lineup actually um, for FlyQuest is really, really exciting. I think, but Palafox, he was like the best mid laner in NA Academy last uh, this past year. Um, his improvement as a player uh, it's crazy. Uh, I just looked at his numbers from 2019 to 2020. There's it's a huge jump, uh, and then this year he was pretty much like the standout mid laner in both splits. Uh, he's got a really good champ pool. He's a he's a carry boy. He likes playing Lucian um, and all these other guys. Uh, not much of a. I don't know if he can play. He hasn't really shown that he can play like more supportive style mid laners. But hey, more carry players, more fun. Um, <laughs> Famous last words. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. No, but uh, no, I'm really excited. Like he, he's got a really good team around him too, which is why I'm excited. Like like Trimby, he's got really good players around like Licorice, who's like veteran presence that can help lead these younger players. And he's also got, you know, Diamond. Um, and and all, all in all, I think that team's going to do really, really well. I think that they're like my team to watch for next year, honestly, because of the young players that they picked up. Okay, here, like, I get that this is a kind of difficult question to answer, but in terms of FlyQuest as a whole, like, having just obviously gone to Worlds and, like, their roster this year has, like, quite a few rookies in it, do you think you would be as excited for, like, a roster with a high number of rookies if they hadn't done that well last year? Oh, no, yeah. I think, well, okay, like, one of the biggest things for me is that just the fact that people are taking chances mm -hmm. is kind of like showing that we're not regressing. Because um, I made this like uh, comparison before, which is when we watch NA, it's kind of like we're watching uh, a, a ship sink and no <laughs> one's doing anything to help. Um, because it was technically kind of like that, right? Like yeah. NA was kind of like sinking and instead of trying to pour the water out, we were just kind of like... No, no, no. Instead of trying to plug the holes, we're just taking buckets and taking the water out. But obviously, that's continuously filling up. Yeah. Those, the buckets of water that we're throwing out are like the imports and the constant recycling of talent or the going around the league, whatever, right? But now that we're actually starting to fix ourselves from within, because that's the biggest thing, right? Mm. I think that like being able to start, like we're starting to like develop our own talent and fix the region from within is the biggest thing for me. And so... For example, like Golden Guardians, I'm really excited for them. Even though, you know, expectations might be a little lower for them, obviously. Mm. I'm still excited to see how they do because a lot of new faces. We, we don't know. We could be looking at a star in the making. We just yeah. don't know it yet. Um, I think it's Palafox. I think it looks really good. I think he's been ready for the LCS. But uh, we'll see when the season starts. I'm this is his hoping. LCS debut, right? Like, he's not done yes. the, like, be on an academy team and then get bumped up for a week and get flamed so hard that he has to be, like, moved back down to the academy roster again. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is yeah. his debut. He's been on academy teams for Optic, GG, and C9. Damn, that's hype, then. <clears throat> yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. I feel like C9 is the rogue of NA. Like, they just farm really, really good players in their academy team, and then they can... Jack's pockets must be so full because they can just sell them off for so much money. You got their done. cash. Um, Guess they need like, it for perks, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hundred thieves, hundred thieves with their like whole program there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, academy, and then hundred next. Oof. Yeah, that's crazy. Like they're like their their developmental team, especially with um, Papa Smithy. Yeah. Oof. I believe in Papa Smithy. The way that he's growing that the the, the youngins over there. Um, Really excited to see how they turn out, uh, but yeah. Yeah, no, and, and it was uh, it was really refreshing to see when I you know I, like I got to talk to him uh, in January when they opened the the compound, uh, and mm -hmm. you know just hearing kind of his vision for like you know he had very he had a lot of ambition for hundred thieves, but it seemed like he was also grounded in realism because I think what we see with a lot of NA teams I think we've been talking about this in the last podcast for a bit or maybe it was just our pre pod bant but like how you like teams in NA have this these just re expectations of like oh yeah like like it's worlds are bust like you know these are the expectations yeah. and standards and it's like look I get that you have to say that like you're not gonna say like yeah I expect to be average like yeah it's gonna know. be fine probably gonna right, yeah. do too great but like not all <laughs> but hey eight teams make playoffs so pff, no matter right like yeah we're gonna make it hey yeah. we'll make it anyway but like yeah. I get that you can't yeah. say that but like also it was good to hear him be kind of candid and and, and talk about like mm -hmm. you were saying Tyler about like you know actually start trying to plug the holes and take some chances right because it is going to be a bumpy road and there are going to be you know, golden guardians and FlyQuest could both just flop super hard because this is unproven talent but because of programs like hundred these next um i think and, and if i may i'm going to take my my segue here into uh my pick is kenvi who came from the 100 Thieves Next program. And in the scouting grounds, uh, I, I've casted some scouting grounds games, but I never got the pleasure of casting Ken V himself or any 100 Thieves Next games, uh, which I was hugely sad about. And so, it's but it's one thing to... Okay, what I like about Ken V is he is a very complete jungler and in a meta that, you know, 
shifted, right, like you were saying, Meg, so heavily towards carry junglers, he could do just about anything. Now, mm -hmm. you could argue that, okay, it's easy to be a great jungler when you have great laners and kind of, you know, vice versa. And he was on the best team, bar none, right? Maryville, who we've talked about, is the only team that can really stand up to him. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll, I'll be interested to see how he does, you know, with just a new team and a new setup. But the scouting ground season is an absolute mental slog. Um, you are playing in uh, Challengers Uprising, LWL, Big League, uh, and like a couple other just giants. Like you're playing like four or five days a week um, oh. in these best of fives. It is brutal. That's um, really brutal, actually. Yeah, no, because you're just in like these all these independent kind of organizers, right? That like, and this is how the yeah. scene is right now. Because you know, until you get it syndicated under right, I do think they're taking steps in that direction. I think the fact mm -hmm. that like. You're, you were that the academy teams are going to play against amateur teams, right? And you have that kind of like crossover, I think is absolutely yeah. awesome because um, it's like, it's part of the reason that in theory, things like capitalism work. Competition and having someone on your behind ready to be better than you, if you allow that to be the case, you know, mm -hmm. is what breeds the best, which is why I think people were so up in arms about, you know, whatever it was, uh, like the C9. Um, or like, you know, like LCS teams refusing to like scrim their academy teams because of fear oh, of losing yeah, their spots. Yeah, yeah. Remember when that blew up? I, oh, yeah, I forget I the minutiae yeah. of it, but like, you know, I think that, yeah. If internally the players and the teams aren't going to do that themselves, then Riot needs to step in and create that sort of accountability of like, no, well, you have to play these players. <sighs> it's like that kind of mentality. If that's true, I, mean, yeah. I don't know. And if I, I, true, I don't think it was. Like, I, I think it was kind of. I think it was definitely over-exaggerated, but also yeah, my understanding be. of the way that NA operates in terms of like the players are so incredibly interchangeable like you don't really have that kind of thing in Europe you see it occasionally like I think Misfits did it um either last year or the year before but like we don't have that same interchangeability because a lot of the teams are actually based in different countries like yeah, um yeah. Fnatic's a really good example Fnatic have their they've just changed it now but before they had their main team lived in Berlin and then their academy team Fnatic Rising lived in London and so you can't just fly one of your players out on a whim to Berlin for the chance that they might get to play when they have their academy games to play as well. Like, I think just the way that NA is set up, it actually makes for really good opportunities for, like, inter-team and, like, inter-role competition. But also I get that, like, players want to keep their jobs. And having that kind of competition, although it can make you better, it can also mean that you lose your job. Mm. But that's just how it is, right. though. That's how, just how it should be. Like, yeah. Yeah. When I heard and like, that, it's hard. I'm like, there's no but, way. Like, you're right. Yeah, it, it's supposed to be hard yeah. though. Like, it, yeah. like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, like, this is why you're here. You're the best of the best, and you it, like, it's not like you have to prove yourself. You know, like that whole mentality of like, um, not scrimming them or whatever. It's like you need to have that. In my opinion, having that kind of like motivation to have like the wolves are snapping at your ankles kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If you slow down you're going to get eaten mm. by the next guy. I don't know. When when I heard that, I'm just like, man, NA's doomed. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh my GG, God. Because go like next. in Europe, like Europe, it's, if you don't keep up, you're done yeah. in Europe. Yeah. But that's right? also how it is just in like real life, right? In real life. Yeah, it's exactly. like, you can't like, it's like going to like, it's like you being the smartest kid at your high school, you go to a really good school and then you're like, wait a minute, everyone here is a genius, right? Oh. And like, you didn't have to be intrinsically motivated because you were just better than everyone else and that's fine it like that's how anyone who's good at anything that's how their journey starts you realize yeah. i'm so much better than people at these things at playing rakan right I, or whatever like but and some players are just like insanely intrinsically driven no matter what but everyone and their mother from time to time needs the wolf snapping at their heels um yeah. and so uh yeah no and i'm, I'm so so all to say, really excited about Kenby, um, but also just the Hundred Thieves <laughs> program uh, in general because I do think that this is something that uh, Maggie brought up in the last uh, podcast about how, uh, like the GG Academy, which is the you know like in Golden Gardens in general, they are like the darlings of the LCS right now because they're taking these kinds of chances, um, you know, and as structured as like scouting grounds and stuff is, especially in twenty twenty, everyone was playing remotely, right, and so you're you're you know the connections you forged with your teammates were just over Discord, and look, some of my best friendships have been made over Discord. But, like, there is a difference between playing on stage consistently, playing in front of fans when they're back, right? And, you know, 100 Thieves Next, they do kind of the best job of that. So I think in that sense, I am more hopeful for players that come out of that because they have 
the next closest thing to that kind of structure. On the Kenvi note, like, because he's, he's obviously in 100 Thieves Academy right now. Do you think, who's there closer is their main roster jungler, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How realistic do you think it is considering like what we know about 100 Thieves making roster swaps through last year? How realistic do you think it is that this guy will see stage time next year? I think probably low just because this, you know, like if it was Meteos, let's say, and this is not to flame like Meteos specifically, but someone who had been there for a long time, right? Then I think just structurally that it's like, okay, well, we you're a proven commodity, right? Whereas Close has only had one year in mm. the LCS. Um, and so, you know, they're kind of like, it's GG upgraded, right? And so, like, I think they're going to give, like, the hot new thing. Now, if Closer just, like, ids his face off, you know, in this expanded season where it's, like, one giant split or whatever, right? You have, you know, a lot of games and can take a little more wiggle room. The top eight make playoffs, right? Um, I think in that sense, also, what Riot has done there is a good thing because it gives teams incentive by, you know, just giving them a lot of wiggle room to, like, look, please, for the love of God, try something. Try new players, right? Please. Like, we mm. will build this thing. Don't worry about making playoffs. Everyone's going to make playoffs unless you're just absolute hot garbage. Like, you will make playoffs, it'll be fine. So unless Closer ends his face off, I don't think we're gonna see that. I'm not sure. Like, I think that like, 100 Thieves, cause they're probably scrimming against each other, right? Like, Academy with the main roster. Yeah. If Kenvi's smurfing in scrims and showing yeah. better performance, we don't know, right? Yeah. Like, I think that like, you need to be a lot more flexible um, when it comes to being willing to make a change like that, especially if it just works. Mm. And, like, they're no strangers to swapping out their junglers. Like, they had, who was it? They had um, Levi, they had Meteos, they had Contracts. I'm so sad about the Levi situation. That sucked for him. But, no, like, if, if, I guess if there were any team that were to switch out their junglers, I would expect it to be 100 Thieves, just based on history. But I also, like, close is really good. So, I think, like, Mm. Kenby would have to absolutely smurf his face off, as you said, to get a hope. But I think the hope's still there. All right, well, we are going to take it to a little bit of a quick break here. But when we come back, we'll get refreshed and take a little bit of a a trip down memory lane, a little bit of nostalgia uh, for for us and what made uh, kind of us fall in love with the game as far as players are concerned. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. Part two here of episode two of the Critical Strike podcast. Enrique, Megan, Tyler with you here as always. Uh, So after taking a look back, uh, or taking a look forward rather, at some things that are going to make us either look really, really smart or really, really dumb in a couple of years, we're going to look back at, uh, you know, just individually uh, take a trip down memory lane, reminisce a little bit uh, about the players that, you know, were those people for us, were those guys that made us fall in love with the game for whatever reason. Um, I'm a very nostalgic person, maybe to a fault, so I'm gonna enjoy this uh, a lot. Let's uh, let's switch up the order here. Tyler, why don't you uh, why, why don't you take us into the mind of, of baby Tyler and why he fell in love with this game that we all oh, just God. hate to love? Um, well, okay. Uh, I'm gonna just hop in and say that we lost, or I lost two of my heroes uh, this past off season. Pull one out for the homies. Yeah. Uh, Bjergsen and Doublelift, it was pretty surprising, but it's kind of typical. I think a lot of people can say that Bjergsen and Doublelift were kind of the guys that might have brought them in to esports, especially in North America. Um, just because of, first, they they were like the big stars from the beginning, but also their own stories in terms of becoming something that they thought they weren't. Um, and I still kind of remember the moment that I really wanted to become like a part of like the esports industry. I wasn't sure where or what. I wasn't sure if I wanted to get in writing or whatever, but I remember going to um, when uh, the LCS had their first uh, finals here in Toronto in 2016. And it was that moment, it was C9 versus TSM. And I remember this, I remember it was that moment where um, Cloud9 catches out Bjergsen and all those guys and they die really fast and it was like, I still remember Doublelift was on Lucian, and Jensen flashed forward and tried to knock him up with Talia, and he missed, and Doublelift ended up killing everybody. And it was like that iconic call of like, Doublelift, he's killing them all! Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. in the, I was in the stadium, and I couldn't hear myself. And I'm just like, oh! oh! But like, technically not really screaming, because it was just, oh! 
because my voice was like shot. Yeah. And I remember that exact moment, like my heart was like pounding out of my chest. And I was like, I remember staying outside of the Air Canada Center. Like I was, I was standing outside, like in the cold, waiting for him to come out. And we're just like, oh my God, yeah, whatever. He didn't, we didn't get to see him. They snuck him out somewhere else. I got to take pictures, I don't know, with like, I think it was like Aframu and I can't remember who else. But like, we didn't get to like take pictures with like Bjergsen or Double F. I remember that moment. I'm like, that's it. This is the moment. Mm-hmm. Like I felt the, the, the yeah. energy and I'm just like, yo, this is what esports can be. And I, it's, it makes me sad that not a lot of people will give it a chance just because it's video games. It's just as exciting. Like I've been to like the Raptors, for example, in basketball. Like I've been at the ACC when it was like playoff time. And like people are out in the cold and like, like watching the playoffs and going crazy. It's like, it's the same atmosphere. And for me, Doublelift and Bjergsen are representative of that, those emotions. I've been a fan of TSM for a long time just because they were the biggest team before back when you know Reggie and whatever and like I love those guys and I love the 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 little intro that they had with Bjerg about like that video when they signed him and he like shows up to the house yeah it was so horrible it was such a horrible (laughs) intro but that's so like 2013 esports in a nutshell it was beautiful it's so fun yeah. Exactly. Like those were the the days where it's just they made a horrible Burger King. Like I, I like, that's funny. That's funny. I'm Dyrus, please, bro. It's just like I miss Dyrus, man. Man, like those those days where people like the the stadiums were smaller and like everyone. It was so so much more. I don't know. It, it felt, felt more like homegrown. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And like I'm not complaining at all in terms of like how big esports got, and I'm super excited like seeing us like sell out like i don't know madison square garden or like like i don't know huge arenas the bird's nest in beijing like exactly the whole events at arenas of that magnitude and pack them out and like exactly like that was one thing that i'm just interjecting real quick like you you talk about like that stadium hype right like you know i'm a big detroit sports fan and i've been to you know games at all those stadiums i've seen some some iconic victories and because it's detroit just a lot more crushing defeats but like the I, I'm bummed that like 2020 was the year that I like started working in esports and actually like yep, had you know like had to actually like watch or got to really like watch like game after game after game after game right I'm like mm-hmm. I'm getting like sort of paid to do this like that's wild but like right? hearing oh. like the fans in the background reacting to whatever's mm-hmm. going on like that like if that doesn't gets do you hype. something yeah. yeah no it makes you feel about yeah. like I've cried watching like. Oh, for like, sure. No, oh, I've gotten emotional the amount about, of times. Yeah. I'm kind of a crybaby as it is. Like, I will cry at <laughs> I anything. didn't think I was until I watched, like, like sports, sports and esports, just, like, things like that. Like, like, just feeling so many positive emotions and those, like, chills. I didn't think yeah, I could cry. It's overwhelming almost. Exactly. Like, like that moment where, um, uh... The, who was it, Azale, where he's like, Double if bides his time, turns the fight, and he takes over. And I'm like, the chills, yeah. just goosebumps everywhere. I'm like, yep. I'm about to cry. Yep. This is it. The, like, the weird thing for me was like, I well, I like NA and I watch NA, but I would not consider myself a fan of NA. You don't, you don't have but to say the, that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Kobe yeah, call at Worlds... Oh. 2018 i think it was they're like i never doubted them and then we're like the camera pans to them and he's like wiping his eyes i was like i'm about to tear up for real it's just like it's i think because it's more homegrown a lot of the time like you get more of those like insanely passionate moments where it's like you really feel like what the players are feeling like there's a really good one of my favorite photos there's a photo of reckless after they beat i think rng because it was like Uzi was his nemesis, and he just like screams. Mm. Like there's this photo of him just yelling his oh, lungs like, out like, after they win. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 I remember that. I remember that. I yeah. love that photo, and I feel like that conjures up like the feeling of esports really well. Yeah. Straight up, like I, I genuinely, be- I know, I know that like if like NA ever wins an international tournament, I'm gonna start crying. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry 100 percent just because it's like. The years of just being like torn down the by butt of every e- single everyone, show. yeah. It's just like NA at Worlds, ha ha ha, or like NA at MSI. When Team Liquid uh, beat, um, was it IG yeah. at MSI? I'm just like the defending world champions. Oh my god, yeah. Like IG is falling in the oh. background right now, but at the time, people remember how big of a deal that was, 
right? Yes, it when, was. When finally yeah. it's like Rookie the Shy and Jackie love, like that's hot. Like you get nervous, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, those names strike fear into your heart. And like, you know, and like X Smithy was still there, right? And like having like two of those guys be NA homegrowns, right? Mm-hmm. To take them down. That that was that it's was the top that, that, that was it. That was it, man. That pride, I felt it, and then we got stomped, and then, and then we got absolutely <laughs> I don't like talking about that part. It yeah, was I was just gonna say I'm gonna remain quiet here because it yeah, was please, my please. region that did the stomping, so I will, oh my I will god. keep my mouth shut. Oh my god! As soon as Worlds wins an international tournament, that's not Rift Rivals. <laughs> like, like I will cry 100. percent Like I've had dreams of like casting it. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. dreamt. I still remember it. I like I dreamt of casting it. You're screaming while you're crying. You know, have you had those ones where you're just yep. like, like you can't help but start to cry a little. Yeah. So now that your your uh-huh. voice just sounds like sus, and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I'm gonna get emotional. I know I'm gonna cry if, if any ever wins worlds. I think there's a good chance with perks. I don't know, maybe like Cloud Nine, please. We just picked up the best player in Western history. Whatever. Cloud Nine, this is this is a message to you. You need to win worlds now so that we can all collectively see Tyler cry. Yes, mm-hmm. that's if the you want to see a grown man cry because of video games. C9, <laughs> this is a call to you. You have to win wor- worlds or ever side for me, please. Oh my God. But yeah, no, I, I like. Bjergsen and Doublelift, those are the emotions that like, I get from them. That's why I was so sad when he when they both retired. Because mm-hmm. it's like, they were the guys that kind of introduced the game to me. Yeah. And in, in a way that like, it wasn't just introducing the game as in, oh, I'm getting into it and stuff. And learning how it goes. And learning how what, what CSing is and how it's mm-hmm. important and blah, blah, blah. But like, they introduced me to, oh, I have a passion for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Because um, before I, I just watched League, played League, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. But when I got invested into like Bjergsen, got invested into Doublelift and their stories and how they'd never won it, gotten out of groups of worlds, which is why I'm so mad that Doublelift hasn't gotten out of groups. For me, seeing him leave on this note is so, it's so bittersweet because I know that he's been working so hard and he's one of the most accomplished North American players, but for him to not be able to get out, it's just so heartbreaking. He... He has more Worlds appearances than any other League of Legends player. Really? Yep. He has eight. Sneaky has seven. Nine people have six. Across all regions. And he didn't get out of groups. I, I'm so... I don't know. Like, it's it's just so sad to me. Not just because, like, yeah, they're like kind of like my esports heroes in a way. But just, like, the mm. fact that he was never... Like, that must be the one thing that he'll always remember for the rest of his life. And yeah. it's not really guaranteed that he's gonna stay retired, right? Like he, like if some team no. needs, if if he's retired before, technically, exactly. So or took a break, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Bjergsen is another thing. I think that him as a coach is gonna be pog, but I agree. Hopefully, hopefully. Oh my god, please. <laughs> god. Yeah. I trust yeah, him. I, I, I think I think his personality is gonna lend itself really, really well, and I think just the respect that he already has. Oh, in sure. the scene. Um, he seems like such a kind person. Right? Like, I would, like, he seems like someone I would trust, especially, <laughs> did I just lag? No, 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 no. Very good. All right, cool. No, he seems like someone I would trust. Like, he seems like, if I needed, if I were to put my trust in anyone to, like, help NA to succeed, any ex-pro, it would, like, just without a doubt be Bjergsen. Because I feel like he has so much, like, as you said, Enrique, he, like, commands so much respect mm-hmm. and i feel like that's really important in coaching is yeah. that your players he, it's like, respect he's done the people that are coaching them yeah because in esports yeah. so much it's like you know obviously in traditional sports you can't tell you know greg popovich or doc rivers like why don't you get out here and do it if you're so smart like that's not how it works that's but not like, how it works yeah but like in esports there's there's probably a lot more of that right and it's yeah. like it's like why are you sitting here telling me like oh yeah don't make this play it's like i know that right like 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 but bjergsen has done it before at the highest level uh repeatedly yeah. And because of his personality, he just, you know, it's like, okay, he's not going to be, like, annoying or full of himself about it. Like, he, he really does seem like someone has, like, the org's best interest at heart. It's like, I, yeah. I, I don't think he gets an 80% stake or whatever he did early last year if that's not the case. There's three people in esports right now, or at least the league scene, that I would, like, trust with my life. It's Papa Smithy, Bjergsen, and Yamada Kanan. Those three guys. True. Yeah, agree. Mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly like, wow. agree. 
those three guys. You're <clears> absolutely <throat> right. The way they speak to, like, the way they speak to, I, and the thing is, they're not speaking to me. But when they speak, it's like they're speaking to me. Like I'll just be like, yep. yeah, yes, sir." Like, like, it's like <laughs> sometimes when I'm having like a bad day, like when I'm trying to write something and just like however many times I get it out, it's not going right. I'll just put on the Yamato Canon speech, the play your own game yeah, speech yeah. from Worlds, and it's stop, like, li- stop I will following play my people. own game, Yamato. I'll do it for you. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize until I rewatched that you referenced that in in the last episode. I didn't realize uh, that like Shocks was crying. Oh, yeah, while she like was giving that interview. Bawling. Right? I, I would have been. I yeah. wouldn't have been able to hold it together. I was like, you're gonna have to hold the mic because I sure. need to yeah. go cry some more off camera. Oh, For sure. Gosh. No, like they're really smart, and the delivery that they have. Because I think that mm-hmm. there's a lot of smart people in League of Legends, but like yeah. the ability to deliver it is just as important. I think that if you have that, those two qualities, oh my god. Like that's why Yamato is just perfect transition to coaching. Like Yeah. He's a he's a he's a born leader, I feel like, the way that he is, the way that he's yeah. able to speak and, 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 and connect with the players and then Papa Smithy is just so respected, he's so smart about the game and the way he speaks too is just really easily dige- digestible, I think, the way that he explains League of Legends. Mm-hmm. And Bjerg's is just straight respect because you're one of the best ever play. Yeah. And the way he speaks too. So Yeah. No, I, I think Papa Smithy also is just like, for all he's accomplished, he's extremely humble. That's the main characteristic I get across yeah. from him. Whereas like from Yamato, it's not that I don't get humility, but that's not like his kind of championing trait. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, it doesn't have to be because you've done so much. I'm not saying again, Yamato's not humble, but like with Papa Smithy, you're like, how have you done as much as you have? How, how do you know as much as you have? And you're not going to talk down to me, even unintentionally. Mm. Right. Like, yep. say, like, like you said, Tyler, everything he says is so easily digestible and it's so hard to do that. And not sound like you're being condescending. Condescending, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. Um, all right, to me, th- this is the this is the kind of content we wanted. We'll go go on another fifteen minutes here. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm also gonna go for two, just because I, if you were to make me choose, I could not gun to my head. I could not choose which player was more influential to me for like getting me into esports but i like i didn't grow up playing video games my parents weren't super big on them i was much more of like a books kid i i never owned a console when i was a kid the first experience that i had of league of legends was um ironically enough um it was a boy that i was trying to flirt with um played league and i didn't know anything about the game but i was like i'm gonna look it up because then he'll think i'm cool and i looked it up and i remember this really specifically because i went onto the league website and do you remember the Jin teasers that came out when it was like Jin had shot a load of the like four champions right 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 and then it's like beautiful looking and stuff and it looked like a piece of art like he'd shot um vi like he'd shot the gloves off vi's hands and it was like this really beautiful animation of like the gloves splintering around Vi's And it's hands. like a flower too and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember that, yeah. But that, so that was when I joined League, but the, I didn't play for a very long time. I got started by watching and the team that I started watching was Fnatic. And the Fnatic roster that I started watching was, um, oh God, who was their starting support? I think it was Noxiac, who didn't stay on the roster for very long, but it was Noxiac, Reckless, Febivan, Spirit, and Gamsu. And Reckless and Spirit are the two players who, without a doubt, just got me into esports. I think the Reckless one is kind of self-explanatory. Like, he's arguably one of the greatest players that Europe's ever produced. Arguably one he's of the most life. iconic players. Yeah. Arguably one of the most iconic players in the world. Like, it's very hard to not be even just in passing a Reckless fan. But the Spirit one? I remember really clearly um, the moment where I was like, oh, wait, this, like, this is what esports can be. And it wasn't even a moment that was in a game. It was a, there was a video series, a content series that Fnatic used to do called, um, oh, what was it? Life of Legends. That was what it was called. Life of Legends. Mm. And it was like a vlog series, kind of like the heist thing that 100 Thieves is doing now. Um, like a behind the scenes vlog and it was talking about um, spirit it was like a spirit centric episode and he was talking about how like sometimes he got really depressed and like keeping his mental up was a really like difficult thing for him to do especially in a country where like communication's not great because obviously he's Korean and like the language barrier you can learn as much English as you want but if you're not a native speaker there will always be a little bit of a language barrier there and I just remember I was like oh like this person feels the same things that I feel and like 
they're doing this amazing thing and they're playing this game that I later went on to play and like I don't play it as much anymore but I still play it and like it's just this this idea that there is a community across the world that is united by a common passion who all feel the same things and share in the same like nail-biting moments like the fanatic world final the first time like Europe had been even close to a world final since season one like that moment the fact that there were so many people across the world sharing in that moment with me sat in my bedroom just like white knuckling my chair watching like caps just playing and it's that feeling of community is one of my favorite things about esports and like i don't know about how you guys feel about that but i think community is what got me into it and like as questionable as the league of legends community can be like the community is what's made me stay like especially now that i'm making content and i'm making like forward facing pieces it is the people that i'm making it for are the reason that i choose to stay in esports no i 100 agree i think that like we always see the bad side of it because that's what gets the clicks. That's what everyone likes to see because it's f either like shocking or f funny or whatever. The good sides of like the community are really, really, really good. Like the the FlyQuest initiative that they had this year, the Tree Quest and mm. the World Quest. Like the fact that like that's really a pioneering thing. Like I've not seen people often like try to compare esports to traditional sports, which like I think there's big issues in that. Right. But that's a conversation for another time like that kind of initiative and then like the way evil genius has responded where it's like oh we're going to do the evil version where we're like cutting down the trees so we can give books to kids in schools like that kind of fan interaction and banter and like pleasant stuff that happens in the community is just like it's wonderful i love stuff like mm -hmm. that for sure yeah no i mean that was something that drew me into esports was like because i you know i started in traditional sports journalism and I've been a sports fan, traditional sports fan my entire life. I still am like the scarves yeah. you see over there. Those are all traditional sports. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, but the thing that, yeah, I mean like just like the, that you could just be yourself. Like I, it, like it felt a lot more like that, even like in, the, in a professional setting, you can be much more yourself in esports than you could in sports. Like the mm -hmm. bureaucracy of even as like a sports journalist, right? Like even yeah. as like an announcer, like, you had to be a lot more kind of buttoned up and like, look, like it is what it is, yeah. but that wasn't as much for me because I like, you know, I do broadcasting. So like, I like, you know, getting hype and, and calling games or whatever, but like, for sure. I didn't like that. I couldn't just like toe the line just a little bit because things were so kind of rigid and structured. Whereas yeah. like, you know, even in like from, from amateur up to like the LCS and, and world's broadcast, you can have like more fun. It isn't like frowned upon. It's like, oh, you're not taking it seriously. And I respecting the majesty of it. It's like the majesty of it is what you make it. The reason that, like, but again, because it is so homegrown, because it is, it is a fundamentally just like human, like experience. Like even like, and like the stories of you know triumph and defeat and whatnot. Like those are so human, and, and I, I found that in esports to give kind of a, I don't know. Actually, I'm gonna hold that thought and let Meg finish. Otherwise, I'm gonna launch into my story <laughs> and why. Or well, I like, basically, I just like those two. Like, I am a fanatic fan. I Like, even after Reckless has left, I will still probably continue to... I will support him on G2. Condolences, by But the I way. will... Yeah, for <laughs> real. Yeah. Still hurts a little bit. Thank you for that one, Reckless. But, like, it's... Even then, though, it's this idea of, like, this player will do anything to win. Like, his message, his whole career is, I'm going to win Worlds. Like, I will literally do whatever it takes yeah. to secure myself a Worlds title. And, like, I don't really think... I think a lot of people kind of thought that that was just, oh, you have to say that, like, that's just virtue signaling or whatever. And then he moved to G2 and people were like, oh, oh, he really meant it. Like, he will do absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. Including he had a legacy the and legacy away. Yeah. Yeah. even in terms of, like, more pragmatic concerns, Fnatic said they offered him more money than they had ever offered any other player in there the history is. of the organization. Mm -hmm. And that couldn't get him to stay. Because like, he wants to win. And he, he's very, he is a fascinating person to have in a community like esports which is so based online in that he doesn't really use social media at all he'll tweet stuff like once every god only knows how long he right. streams very intermittently he's just such an interesting and authentic figure to have in the scene and that's like that's always something that's drawn me to him and to esports as a bigger picture especially in europe yeah, yeah. but anyway rant over <laughs> no that's what, that's what we're doing this for we're ranting yeah, for sure um so I think for me, it was, um, it's funny because I'm, I'm also going to uh, give two here. I, I said when we, were, when we were playing this, I was going to say Froggen. Um, and 
Froggen to me was kind of that like first love, if you will, because he played a Nivea and that was it. Um, when, because my league journey started, I played mid lane uh, and I played old school, like face melt, like face bash rise, right? Where like wait, like before the rework, before the rework, where you build, you know, two tier items, frozen heart, uh, and you just hit R and just mash your face against the keyboard. Um, and my friends were like, well, that takes no skill. And I was like, fine, what do you want me to do? So I started playing a Nivea, which is a little more skill intensive than just hitting one button and then the rest of them um, in that way. Um, yeah, like a little more. And like, but now, you know, now I play jungle in support because my friends are way better at uh, actual laning and carry positions. But like, that was like, that's still a champion that I can kind of carry on. And Froggen was the first guy that I saw like actually play that in like this insane way and pull off these like, you know, like, QE like wall him as like predictive wall into the flash and just stun him and just chunk down three quarters of his health. (sighs) Oh, I guess we feel in some kind of way. Um, (laughs) It's those ones where you see a player pull off like Irelia, Zed, Yasuo level outplays on like a Lux or an Anivia, and Mm -hmm. you're like, I didn't think you could do that. I didn't think that was how that champion worked. Yeah, Yeah. but here's what I will say is that the player, weirdly enough, that made me like actually like like you said kind of like fall in love with the competitive scene in the game yeah. was doing mm. and here's oh. why when I, when I graduated when I, when I was in college I was in conventional sports so that's what I was like following the most and like I kept up with sort of league scene but like honestly there's a big gap in my knowledge from 20 like 15 to 18 like I like that is all stuff I've learned retroactively uh yeah. just to be perfectly honest but 2019 was when I first started kind of like refollowing it and I remember watching the world finals uh the G2 FPX one last year and having my friend, like everyone else, say like, yeah, FPX is good, but like G2 will probably like 3-1 this, like at worst. <laughs> yeah. And like all the analysts, it was 3-0, 3-1, 3-2, right? Or something like that, right? But but again, the moment for me was like when after after he won, after they won, and Doinby gives that interview where he's talking about his wife. Ah, uh, right. That <laughs> moment, right? That was the first time I cried watching League. And I wasn't even watching Leak because, yeah. you know, you were just he was watching somebody about, be emotional about and talk about it. His... Just be a human being. Right. And like these side of these side of just people, celebrities in general, but also just esports players in general, like that we don't get to see. He was like, yeah, I was going to quit. And I asked my wife because she's like my partner and my best friend, like, what should I do? And she was like, you know what? You do you. But I think you should give it one more year and then decide one more year. And now I'm a world champion. And that like struck a, a chord within me because as a like journalist or whatever like a, a storyteller entertainer whatever like those are the stories that i like to tell my favorite sport is baseball baseball is i think the greatest mm-hmm. game in the world but it is very very dull and so my challenge and what i like to do as a play-by-play guy was like how can i make people care about this in their own way right esports even more niche how do i make people that don't care about esports care about esports right. it's the people Right. If you could tell their story, even in the context of the game, their rise, their fall, the obstacles that they mm-hmm. encountered, right? Mm-hmm. These very human things that everyone can connect to. That's what I latch onto. And Doinby for me was like, well, this is it. Like, I, I love it. Like I, Spe- I, you just mentioned. Oh, Tyler, go first. No, no, I'm probably uh, about to make us veer off. No, no, I was, I was just gonna say that that's a lot of, like, that's a reason why a lot of people they don't see that human side of the players. I think and that's, that's so a, that's tragic. Exactly. Like, I think that's a, the thing that, that happens in traditional sports, too, where, like, they kind of just think that they're, they're like a machine. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, oh, you're just here to provide entertainment. They don't say that out loud, but it's just like, in subconsciously, it's like, they don't treat them as another human being. Mm-hmm. They're like a superstar on a different level. But in reality, they're just here, too. They're at our level, too. They're, they, they go through the same things. Like Meg said, right? Like, when, um, when Spirit was going through hard times and stuff, or like... You know, um, Doinby going through hard th- times, or even Doublelift and Bjergsen. Bjergsen was like struggling. He he wanted to find his place in the world in Doublelift too. These guys are humans, right? And we don't get to see that a lot. We don't realize that these guys also have you know they like to have fun and they like to take breaks and you know sometimes they make mistakes and they're not no one's perfect. We don't get to see that because a lot of people don't want to see them as like they want to see them as up here. Mm-hmm. I think one like big problem with that is that in esports people's mistakes aren't mistakes it's inting so like players don't get the opportunity to make these mistakes and have this growth because there is such a high expectation of like consistent performance every single time and the way that the community is oriented towards stuff like this it's like 
double lift like fail there was like a weird flash that he did in finals where he like flashed forward on ash and just gets instantly one shot it's like oh he's inting it's like no you made a mistake and sure you could, if you once you start making consistent mistakes then maybe being a pro player isn't for you but like these mistakes are important and it's like it allows you to connect with these players because i can't count how many times i've been like i can flash that wall and I can't flash that wall, and, and I just, just flash go, on the spot. And just flash yeah. into and the you wall. just flash straight into it. Yeah. And it's like, that. It, these players are human, and they make mistakes, and I think that's a very important thing that we need to recognize, especially uh, yo, in esports. People don't understand. Pro League of Legends is so hard. So like, yep. It's, it's so, so hard. The game constant is constantly changing which means you have to constantly adapt it's not like another like i'm not saying that like it's not hard to be a traditional like like mm -hmm. sports um, like athlete like a basketball player or whatever but i'm just saying that like having to change your style of play constantly because that's how it keeps the game fresh it's like it's so that's why you see players go out of a job exactly. really really quickly yeah. yeah it's because some players just aren't good enough to keep up with the meta and then that's it your your career is over like people don't understand that these guys this is their livelihood they gave up school they gave up like um like other especially because they invest in it so young as well exactly. like it's not like a lot of league of legends players don't have a fallback like um reckless is a good example of this like he hasn't gone to college like he once his career ends what does he do like he where stays does he in go from that he has to stay in yeah. esports which is fine i guess because maybe he or goes retrain back to and that takes forever yeah yeah like for example, one thing that I was looking at was like Sword from TSM, right? Sword was 16 when he was on their training, like oh, a that's trainee. Insane. And everyone's like, "Oh, you should bring him up. You should bring him up." And it's like, let him finish high school first. Like, yeah. like come on now. Like, yeah. I get that esports is growing, but they're humans too. They need to like go through high school. Like, this yeah. is yeah. high school. No, they need like, to like I'm grow happy. and mature and like be people and interact with other people because that will exactly, also make them yeah. a better player. Yep. Right. Like, I did some dumb stuff when I was 16. Like, if I oh had gosh. to have yeah. that <laughs> yeah. amount of pressure on me and from that young... And responsibility, yeah. Imagine being no held way. accountable on the internet for things that you did when you were 16. Christ. Oh, my oh. God. Right? That strikes genuine fear into all three of our hearts. Yeah. Because yeah, that's a ridiculous thing. But that is not yeah. a grace we afford to esports players or just athletes, celebrities in general. Exactly. Like, you can be 16, but if you're a pro player on TSM... Hmm. TSM, of all the orcs, of all TSM. Teams, TSM, are you kidding me? That is so much pressure. If they put him, oh my god. Like, because some people are like, oh, we should put him on the LCS team. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> Don't do that to We've him. seen better players crumble under the yeah. pressure. You better, can't do that more, to a kid. Yeah, no he's a kid. And I yeah. get it. Like, we should be... Ex I'm not saying we shouldn't be expecting things from them because no, we should. They're not. at the top of their game. This is the top of the top, creme de la creme. You're at the LCS level or even academy level. Even right? the worst NA academy player is unbelievable at this game. Yep. <laughs> right? I haven't even smelled Challenger before, but these guys are <laughs> like constantly there. Even Diamond. Like, I, like some of these guys that are saying, oh, he's Diamond, hard stuff, Diamond. I'm like, I wish I was hard stuff, Diamond. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, Pro League of Legends is so hard. They're training 18 hours a day. Yep. It's they nuts. live, breathe, die this game. Look, criticize them, right? It's fine. You need criticism to grow, whatever. But, like, when you see these guys ragging and ragging and ragging on these guys, it's like, hey, maybe cool it a little. Because it's like... And it's always, it's always the, like... D2 jungler who's like, oh, I could out jungle Tien. I could 100% out jungle Tien. That guy's trash. And it's like, oh my God. Tien would eat you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, yeah. Like, straight up. Yeah. On that note, and just because I think we're like, we're low key running out of time, yeah, I think we're about last, to run over on this one. Yeah, yeah. But the, just like, just 30 seconds, what is your favorite, like, story? Like, rise to fame? Like, the One Fung story that we saw coming out this year, what is your favorite, like, legacy that a player will leave behind in esports i get this is a pretty big one to spring on you but like yeah. what would you say that yours is i i was gonna say hong feng like he his, yeah that, that's hard to like, argue when with. i read when i read about his story about how he like how he was like brought up his family situation and how he had to like grind and like people say grind but this kid was grinding he was grinding like, life for his, yeah, he, gr he was grinding for his life.
because this is what he's like, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm going to do to get out of this. Yeah, basically. This is my way out. Yeah. If I'm 18 or not even, he's no, younger, right? He's like, he's like he's, 16. Yeah. Yeah. 15, 16. Abandoned by his parents like, at 12. Like what? Like that's a movie mm-hmm. plot. Like you got abandoned when you were a child and your family's like, a, you're coming from a broken home. What did you do? You found League of Legends. And you became so good at it that you went to Worlds. In your first year. In your year, first you went to year. Worlds. It's wild mad. to me. One Funk's story is really special. Like, I'm really happy. There was a. I think the like the actual content piece was titled "The Boy by the Sea," mm-hmm. and it was translated by um, at Eye Crystallization on Twitter. She does a lot yes, of queen. yeah, she does a lot of um, translation work for LPL content. Yeah. And just if you haven't read it, please go and read it yes. because it's really special, and I think it's it's a very important piece of content to have in the League of Legends world because a lot of the time people don't realize how much these players sacrifice to be where they are and how important these jobs are to them like for a lot of these players this job is everything to them straight up and i think that's something that needs to be appreciated a lot more if you uh don't want to read it i think gbay made a video on it based off of the the article so yeah mm-hmm. he did um if you don't have too much or if you want just a just a three minute video on the dot esports facebook page there's one yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> has a, has but a, has a some smooth silky baritones voicing it over i don't know mm-hmm Oh, who could that be? I wonder. I don't That's know. crazy. I have no idea. But speaking of things that I also don't know who voiced them over, I think Quan Fung was good. Uh, but also, I, I have taken a particular liking to Uzi's story because it encapsulates so much of, you know, even like the fact his early retirement was a result of, right, just this like grind culture and like how he just completely neglected like his health in so many ways, right? And, you know, I, but, I, but I think it's a compelling story because it, it doesn't have like a happy ending. Mm, and right. you know yep. like those are stories still worth telling right like the, the the defining moment of his story is like that when china finally bested korea in 2018 it wasn't even Uzi, even though he was the face of that entire region for so long he was the best player from that region for so long it was him and clear love yep. it was the only one that like kind of held a, a candle to him as far as international notoriety and then like yeah and then he and it was his year he finally won spring msi summer right and then just snatched yeah. away but then it's like but again it's just like how insane this ecosystem is it's like it was like it was snatched away not by another chinese team in ig not by faker again it was g2 right yep. it was the rise of europe right that thwarted uzi and that's like this side threat in the oh yeah no i, I think his story is probably my favorite because it doesn't have a happy ending it is and it is again just very it's real yeah exa- exactly it's very human exactly it's very real so it's a reality that a lot of esports players face because of the grind. Mm-hmm. Man, Uzi is such a tragic story of just and Deft too. Like Deft has some pretty debilitating shoulder issues now that are like really like he said it's like he is in agony when he plays and mm-hmm. it's like really starting to affect his performance. And I think like just if I were to leave it on any like closing message, it's like criticize players when they're doing badly, but don't like. You have no idea what these people are going through behind what you see. Like, that, like, bad vein flash could be the culmination of, like, an awful week of, like, just 18-hour days and just, like, garbage results in scrims and just feeling demoralized and miserable. Like, we really don't know what goes into every time we see a pro player perform on stage. So I think just have, like, have some kindness. Like, this is kind of a message to the community, but just have a little (laughs) bit of kindness and just be mindful of what these players are experiencing and criticize all you want but don't make it personal yeah yeah and i think the league i think the community has gotten weirdly enough a lot better at that even like guys on like the dive for instance right they dedicated like a lot of time to just like look criticize the play not the player if anything and even when you're criticizing the play chill right so i do think there are definitely steps being uh taken in that direction but we are running out of time here we are well over but i i really really enjoyed uh our our discussion uh, especially like the back half really of it good. uh yeah just getting to get to talk to you all about the why why we're all here at the end of the day while we're out why here. we exactly. why we uh why we love doing this thing that we do um so yeah be sure to check us out on um youtube now because we've got video content you're seeing our lovely faces uh soundcloud and spotify and then uh, two other platforms soon as well uh for meg for tyler for everyone at dot esports that made this possible i've been henrique thank you so much for being here we will see you next week